Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You're welcome. That was, you know what that was? That was a refreshed sounding. That was a, a, I'm back from vacation. I've back got, from vacation. Uh, yeah. I had a little R&R, saw some baseball games, and I'm all ready to go with a new podcast. <laughs> Uh, you you took it too far. You took yeah. it too far there at the yeah. end. <laughs> you were buying it until I, until I said that I was ready to go for a new podcast. Yeah, that was a mistake on my that, part. That was a bit of a mistake. Well, we have so much to go over because of your vacation, which, by the way, was like you're like Zelig. You were like you were like everywhere you needed to be on this vacation. It's I really was. That's exactly right. I was uh, I was Forrest Gump. I was baseball Forrest Gump. So <laughs> I have family in Boston. I went to see uh, my little sister Stephanie had a, a, a baby uh, who's now uh, a while ago. Now we had never met her. Uh, my kids had never met their cousin. So we went to met uh, meet her baby Claire. While we were there, we decided to go to a Red Sox game. So I took my two sisters and my son to uh to a red sox game and we happened to see what i believe is the game of the year so game of far the year. i think it is yeah at fenway park on tuesday night it was the indians the 12 10 game the christian vasquez walk off homer uh going in you're thinking okay chris sale is right. pitching i'm gonna see chris sale we got we were so happy my son and i were so happy we got to see chris sale pitch he immediately gives up five runs <laughs> uh <laughs> and ended up giving up seven uh, in four innings or something. Uh, but the Indians went up 5 nothing. The Sox came back and tied it with five in the second. Uh, then the Indians went up again. Like, Brandon Geyer homered off Chris Sale. It just weird things were happening. Uh, there, uh, Edwin Nunez, who is, like, the second coming for Red Sox fans right He's now. Greatest. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, such a good player. Playing at, like, every position and just raking the ball off the monster. He hits a three-run double slash t- sort of triple where he uh, heads up base running moves to third on a throw home uh they go up nine seven then you're then you're like okay nine seven in the eighth here here we go shutdown time addison reed in his first game with the red sox comes in gives up a solo homer to the first guy he faces in a red sox uniform uh still it doesn't matter who cares nine eight you've got craig kimbrell craig kimbrell comes into the ninth immediately it goes to zero and two on francisco lindor with two of the craziest breaking pitches you've ever seen, where Lindor, a wonderful hitter, looks foolish. And then Kimbrell decides to throw him a fastball, and Lindor just flicks it over the monster to tie the game. Then it's like walk, walk, single, uh, wild pitch. They go down 10-9, and then in the bottom of the ninth inning, an infield single by Rafael Devers, who is the second second coming for Red Sox fans right now (laughs) after Nunez, uh, beats out an infield single. Uh, and then I think there's a walk, and then Vasquez. Uh, oh no, it's not a walk. The, he, the craziest of crazy things is Mitch Moreland uh, strikes out, but the ball gets past right. the Indians catcher, and he may, he actually makes it to first. A thing that never happens. Never. A thing happens. that happens a lot in my nine year old son's youth league games, but never <laughs> happens in the majors. Uh, second, so it's first and second, two outs. Then they move to second and third on a, I think another wild pitch. And then uh, Christian Vasquez, it's a three-round walk-off homer. I mean, just an insane game. Oh, and in the middle, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Don't, we don't, don't forget only the greatest play <laughs> in the history of the world. Yeah, the great, the, the single best catch of the year, I would say, is Austin Jackson uh, robbing Hanley Ramirez, uh, flipping over the wall in classic <laughs> cartoon fashion, flips over the wall in the at the center field triangle to rob Hanley Ramirez of a home run. 
Uh, that I hope everyone has seen that catch. If you didn't see that catch, go watch that catch online. It's on uh, MLB.com or something because it's uh, it's really insane. There's a long fly ball, deep center field. Jackson's back. He leaps. He made an unbelievable catch. He flipped into the bullpen. Did he hang on? He sure did. What a play by Austin oh. Jackson. <laughs> that just might be the play of the year. It's insane. It's insane, and and would have really led to an excellent you make the call on, on it being a home run. Although oh, yeah. You knew right away as a, 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 in watching that game, you, you I assume you turned to your son and said, that's an out. Like you probably were able to, to use a little father-son baseball. <laughs> it, was, it was a moment. I think it was a moment, wasn't it? Well, here's the thing. So uh, I was actually confused at the moment that it happened. I couldn't remember the actual wording of the rule. I... The, whether a, a fielder is allowed to leave the field of play uh, while making an out. And, uh, and I, I, I mean, I, from where I was sitting, I was sitting, we, I, I splurged and got us amazing seats on StubHub. And we were sitting right by the Red Sox dugout, the first base dugout. And I, as soon as I, I even though it was far away, I knew he had caught the ball. It was, just, right. it was instantly obvious that Austin Jackson had caught that ball. But then he flipped it completely flipped over the fence and landed in the bullpen. And I couldn't remember in that moment whether you are allowed to completely leave the field of play while making an out. And I thought there was some difference between a ball in foul territory and fair territory, but I wasn't sure about that either. So I wasn't 100 percent sure that it was an out, even though he clearly caught the ball. But the way that the umps were reacting, it was very clear that. If he had caught the ball, it wasn't out. Right. Because they, they, they didn't seem to care that he had flipped over the fence. And so it, then after another third of a second, I was like, okay, well, if obviously if that were the rule, then he would, they, they would have, it was very clear. The one thing that was clear <laughs> from what had happened was that he fell over the wall. Yeah. So, uh, but it was really, it was just, it was an incredible game. And uh, I, I realized when after Christian Vasquez, light hitting catcher Christian Vasquez hit a three run homer to win the game. I believe, I could be crazy, but I think in my entire life, I believe that is the first walk-off win I have ever seen live. Wow. Now, I don't know. I may have, there might have been a game, you know, when I was 11 or something that I just forgot about, but I was searching, I searched desperately through my memory banks, and I think in any stadium, anywhere, in all of the now probably hundreds of baseball games I've seen live, I do not believe I have seen a ninth inning or later walk-off win. Is that possible? Am I crazy? You know, they don't happen that often. They really don't. I mean, they're, you know, we they happen often enough if you cross, you know, all throughout baseball, but per team, they don't happen very often. It is it is very possible that that was certainly I would imagine without question it's the first walk-off homer you've seen. Yeah, uh, I mean that. There's no because you would remember that. Like I would that. certainly have remembered that. Yes, right. I, I, no. I, I have a vague memory. I've been to uh, whatever it's called now, AT and T Park. What's it called in San Francisco? AT and T Park. AT and T Park. I've, uh, I've, I've been there. I'd say probably four times in my life. It's a wonderful stadium. Love it uh, to death. And I, I feel like I went there in 2000. Uh, I, th- I went there in 2003 and 2004. 
And I think that I have a vague memory of Jason Schmidt pitching in a game. And, I, and, <laughs> and just, just a vague memory of Jason Schmidt. Yes. Uh, who at the time was very good. Like, sure. and, and I feel like it's possible that in that in I feel like I remember Jason Schmidt pitching and the Giants uh, maybe getting a walk off win. Uh, but I, but I don't know if those two things happen in the same game, and I don't. I'm not even. I'm 100 percent sure I saw Jason Schmidt pitch, but I'm not 100 percent sure that I saw a walk off win, and I'm definitely not sure that it happened in the game where Jason Schmidt pitched. So oh. there you go. If any internet detectives want to figure out if the Giants ever won a game around 2003, 2004, ever won a, in a walk off fashion when Jason Schmidt started, uh, maybe we can uh, put you, the pieces you, you of this puzzle together. You might have been at that game, but in yeah. any case, it would not have meant as much as your team winning an amazing game. I, here's the thing that's I'm going to say it's amazing, and and uh, you know, and, and we're going to move on from here. But did your son at any point? Because that was a long game. Did your son at any point, or your family at any point, kind of say, "Hey, ready to go home"? Or, or oh, did no. you? That's no, awesome. No, no. That's no, no, no. awesome. No, my son uh, is furious when we leave Dodger games early. He's right. He's yeah. right. He is. Of course he is. However, <laughs> when you're leaving a Red Sox game early to just hop on the T at Kenmore and, and, and take the subway home, that's very different from leaving a Dodger yeah. game early, where if you don't leave early, you are sitting in traffic. Just to get out of the stadium, you're sitting in 45 minutes or an hour of traffic. So... Yeah, I mean, it is a real bummer in L.A. He, I mean, Kenley Jansen's one of his favorite players, and he's rarely, if ever, seen Kenley Jansen pitch, <laughs> even in a year where they're, you know, 47 games over 500, because we always leave after the bottom of the eighth. It's just you you just have to. And I know I'm a purist, and I hate leaving early, but you just have no choice. And so in Boston, you know, he's on L.A. time. So the game's going until 10.30 or 11. It doesn't matter. It's, right, it's, that's it's right. His little, his little body at 7.30. <laughs> so it, there was no question about leaving early. And in general, you know, he would never – if that game had gone 20 innings, he wouldn't have wanted to leave early. So Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I, 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 you know, envy that. You know, when I go with my with my kids – and they're not huge baseball fans. and uh, But they like being there and like going – yeah, six innings. They're like, yeah, all right. I've, that, that's a lot of baseball. I've seen a lot of baseball. That's how they they are, you know. Which is fine. I mean, that's just just the way it are. I'm I'm just very happy that uh, that you were able to like have that game with your son, and and at no point was it even a consideration leaving the game. I think that's no. I think that's awesome. Now, all before right, before we move on, though, we're gonna play a little game with in this segment and also in the next segment. That's called uh, it's called Sure Family uh, Trivia or something. I don't know what it's called, but it, Sure he, Family he, he, Trivia. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the jerseys that my son has for each of the teams of the games that we went to, and then you're gonna guess which jersey or shirt rather he got at the gift shop. Okay, so he, wow. So we're so uh, for the Red Sox, he owns a uh, a Mookie Betts T-shirt. That says that okay. says Mookie on it instead of instead of Betts, which is great. Which he is owns, great. He owns a, 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 a Xander Bogarts jersey, and he owns a Jackie Bradley Jr. jersey. So those are the three that he owned. Okay. And he bought. Well, I got him one more. Which uh, so Mookie Mookie T-shirt, uh, Bogarts jersey, and Bradley jersey. Guess which uh, a piece of apparel of of a player he got this time. 
that was not of those. So, so it's not one of those three. I'm not saying it's not one of those three. I'm saying those oh. are the three he owned. Oh, okay. that, that he he already owned those three, and then he right. got he, I got him another jersey. What jersey did he pick? Okay, okay. So it's another jersey, Red Sox. Right. Um, I'm gonna guess because. The idea of of all trivia is to guess the most obvious answer that is never right. I'm going to guess Chris Sale. Good guess. Uh, he got another Mookie Betts jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I think you ought to have a whole closet of Mookie Betts jerseys. So by the way, I could not have been happier. Like I like when he was like because he has a T-shirt. He has like the crummy you know twelve dollar T-shirt, but he wanted he wants the jersey, the official jersey. And uh, and I and I thought he want he was interested in Devers like he wanted a Devers jersey. Sure, but they had, sure. But we were there so early in Devers' call up they hadn't made them yet, or at least they were not available in the store we went to. Uh, so yeah. he would have gotten a Devers jersey, but absent that, he got the Mookie Betts jersey. So now he has Betts, Bradley, and and Bogarts uh, uh, jerseys. And he also was was mildly interested in Benintendi. But uh, but no, he went he went full uh, Mookie, which is well, which is great because every I believe it should be if it were up to me, I think it should be a federal law that all humans in America should have one Mookie Betts jersey. <laughs> I would I would yeah. agree with that. I would totally yeah. agree with that. You should yeah. have, and it should say Mookie on the back. Yeah, I, I believe it should say Mookie, but I'd be willing to allow you to have a one that just says Betts. But I, th I think the world would be better off if everyone owned one Mookie Betts jersey. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. I, I think, in fact, I think in every closet in America, there should be one Mookie Betts jersey and one Jose Altuve jersey. And then, oh, I, by the way, <laughs> he, he has a Jose Altuve jersey. Of course he does. How could he not? <laughs> yeah, we went, my, my uh, I have relatives in Houston too. We went to an Astros game uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and Altuve's second year, I think. And uh, and I was like, this. and at the time, he it was his first year playing youth baseball, and he was playing second base. And I was like, listen, buddy, you need to know about this guy. And <laughs> <laughs> this guy's important. And we got, I got him a, an Altuve jersey. It's the best. I love it. It's uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, before we go on, let me go ahead and thank our sponsor, uh, Volvo. Uh, just so uh, I'm sure people know this. Uh, since we've talked about this before, Midsommar sales event still going on. You can get up to $4,500 off on select Volvo vehicles. Enjoy standard features like keyless entry, rear park assist camera, navigation system, and more. But hurry, summer doesn't last forever. Take advantage of this limited time offer today. Visit your local Volvo dealer for details. Offer does exclude all XV90, XC90 Momentum, and XC90 Excellence. Standard features vary by model. See your dealer for details. Thank you, Volvo. There you go. Just did you see how straight and professional that was? That was so professional. I know. I know. I just I feel like I'm a pro at this Volvo read. It it's might be weird for for a, a, a man in his 40s to say this to another man in his 40s. But I'm really <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. Speaking of, of we, we're not done with the Sure family vacation because no. the coolest part of to me of the Sure family, not that seeing the game of the year is not cool, but the coolest part of the Sure family vacation is that Michael Shore finally, finally saw a game at Wrigley Field. That's right. It That's was so uh, awesome. All right. Well, give us the full report. So. God, I mean, I'm 41 years old. I, mean, I should have yes. been to Wrigley by now. And uh, I really wanted to get there last year because I, as you know, as we, I actually predicted, and I believe you did too, the, I, I believed the Cubs were going to win the World Series That's last right. year. Yep. And I really wanted to see the Cubs in their home stadium for the first time the year that I believed they were going to win the World Series. Now, 
I this is the thing that I like to do. I like to go see teams of destiny in their home stadiums the year of their <laughs> destiny. I went to see a Warriors game uh, a couple of years ago when they were the uh, like you know playing out of their minds in the sure. seventy three nine season. Uh, of course, they didn't win that year, but still <laughs> seventy three and nine. I like to go. I like to try to do this. So I want. I really wanted to go last year, and it just didn't work out. It is crazy, by the way. That I that I'm uh, as big a baseball fan as I am. I've never been to Wrigley. It is crazy. So it's it's totally insane. And and I've had some near misses when we were shooting Parks and Recreation. We shot in Chicago in our final year, and Chris Pratt was asked to throw out the first pitch at Wrigley. And so the crew that was there in Chicago shooting went to Wrigley and like went on the field and he threw out the first pitch and I couldn't go because I had other responsibilities. No, 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 no. Listen, man, you have to believe me. If I could have gone, I would have gone. I just couldn't go. So I was, it was really like, I was starting to feel like somehow I was never going to get there. Then out of the blue, I get a letter in the mail from a man named Bob Vorwald who works for WGN. I know Bob, absolutely. So Bob Vorwald writes me this letter out of the blue and just says basically, hilariously, by the way, I love the podcast. (laughs) 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 Which is, uh, of course, I assumed it was a prank. Of course. uh, Or or some kind of of phishing scam. (laughs) I believe that was was being taken. That was about to be taken for some money. Uh, But he basically said... Uh, he like he likes the podcast. He listens to it, and if I was ever in Chicago, he would love to show me around Wrigley Field. Now, when some when you are desperate to get to a place, and then someone who works in that place writes you a letter unsolicited yes. and says, "Hey, do you want me to show you around?" <laughs> that then you say you you figure out a way to make it work. So the answer is yes. The answer is yes. So my my, my wife and I were already going to take our kids to Boston to meet our new cousin and uh, uh, the kid's new cousin, and, and we thought, well, we'd love to do one thing. We, we've been to Boston a, a bunch of times. We'd love to do one thing we haven't done yet with the kids. And so Chicago was an obvious second stop. So sure. we fly, we see the game of the year. We fly from Boston to Chicago, uh, the Saturday d- uh, day game, Nationals, Cubs. We go, we meet Bob Vorwald, uh, and, and he takes us onto the field before oh, the game, God. take pictures on the field as the Nationals are taking batting practice. Like Anthony Rendon is like driving balls into the bleachers <laughs> uh, we're, and we're standing right behind him. Then uh, we we'll go we go sit with amazing seats behind home plate. Uh, our friends uh, Kate and Patrick and their two daughters were with them, and uh, were with us. And they sat a little. We also got Bob also got us seats very kindly in the shade a little <laughs> further back, so that my wife and daughter, who care less about baseball, I would say, than my son and I do, could just hang out and enjoy a nice day at the ballpark in the shade. Uh, the weather was great. It was 78 degrees and sunny. Uh, it was a perfect day for baseball. We saw a great game. We saw, uh, uh, and, and Bob, by the way, took my son up. Uh, I'm so, side note, I'm so angry at my son because he's, <laughs> he's nine years old and he has, he has done so many things in his life that I I'm only now doing at 41 yes, when I have right. a job, you know, and I have a, a money and a job. And I'm so he's, – he's so – he's such a little jerk that he's gotten all these <laughs> amazing things. Uh, so he gets so – Bob takes him uh, and me up into the broadcast booth, and we sit and we, uh, and we listen to the game be called up in the broadcast booth. And, by the way, I get to meet Jim Deshaies, 
uh, who's a, a, what an announcer for the Cubs. The Cubs a play-by-play or a color guy. Sure. Now, side note to the side note, G- Jim Deshays factors into one of my favorite early childhood baseball stories, which is I was uh, uh, I used because my relatives in Houston. I used to go to a bunch of Astros games every year, and there was a game when Nolan Ryan was supposed to pitch, and I begged my uh, grandparents and uncle. Uh, to take me to see Nolan Ryan pitch, and they did. And, uh, you know, even in 1985 or 86 or whatever it was, he was still striking out 14 guys a game. Right. Oh, yeah. And so they, so they made a big deal out of this. They hand, And this was before you got something. Now you get something at every game. Every single baseball game you go to in every stadium, it's the, you know, uh, the all-tell uh, Pepsi poncho giveaway or whatever. But the, but uh, you know, the, back then, if you if it was a giveaway day, it was like a special day, sure. and they were giving away foam K's for Nolan Ryan's start because uh, it's so that everyone could wave them around whenever he struck somebody out. I was so excited. They gave away a foam K. We sat in our seats and out onto the mound in the in the top of the first inning came Jim Deshays. And it turned out that Ryan had had some knee stiffness or something and had been scratched from the start. And Jim Deshays was actually pitching. And I think he struck out one guy in, in like, you know, five and a third. And then when he did, everyone kind of sadly waved the, uh, the K. <laughs> the one K, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I've always loved that story. I, I remember it very fondly. I remember like, you know, Jim Deshays was a pretty good pitcher. He, you was, know, he did, was a good pitcher. Yeah, so I got to tell Jim Deshays in person that story, and he had the best reaction, which, as I said, then Ryan was scratching, you filled in, and he immediately laughed and said, oh, you must have been so disappointed. <laughs> so uh, so he gets, so my son, uh, this little jerk, this little spoiled jerk, gets to go up in the booth, watch uh, the watch the game be called for an inning. Then he goes, and one of the one of the truly wonderful things about Wrigley is, the scoreboard in center field is still operated by this 80-year-old magnetic relay system. Now, you, I'm sure you know this. You know this uh, system, right, of that they course. do? Yeah. So there's this incredible old box uh, that, this, from the 1930s, from when, by the way, the Bears still played at Wrigley. So there is a little button on this old box that says football, <laughs> where you can push it, and then that will let you operate the football scores. Um, and uh, but it's still the same old beautiful old system. They've kept it. They've maintained it. They've fixed it up recently. And my uh, little nine-year-old jerk spoiled son got to actually push a button that cleared. The, it was like at the end of the inning, he pushed the button that cleared the you know balls and strikes and outs off the board. And I got a video of it, and he just had a, a giant smile on his face. And it was just a. It was like I mean, imagine waiting as long as I have waited to see Wrigley Field, and then not only getting to walk onto the field before the game, but being able to take your son up into the booth, see the game from the from the announcer's booth, have him operate the scoreboard. Uh, so uh, a million billion trillion thanks to Bob Vorwald uh, for a truly magical day, just amazing, just truly amazing. Uh, and that was the and so that was the sure family vacation. Essentially, we did a bunch of other stuff too. We like you know hung out and spent time as a family. But who cares about that? We saw the we saw the twelve ten Indians Red Sox game, and then we saw uh, and the Cubs won. So we got to sing Go Cubs Go at the end of the game. Uh, we saw uh, you know Alex Avila hit a home run, and Chris Bryant had a double, and the, you got everything out of it that you could possibly have wanted. And it was a wonderful day. So thank you to Bob Vorwald, and thanks to everybody uh, at WGN and, and at Wrigley because it was a true it was a dream come true. 
It's incredible, incredible. Yeah. But now I have to ask you two questions: the the because because you can't get away with going to Wrigley and having that kind of magical performance without without uh, without answering two very difficult questions. One is so purely by stadium and experience, Wrigley Field or Fenway Park. Oh man, I mean, it's a little unfair, right? To, I've seen Fenway 194 times. Of course, I've seen Wrigley once. Right, and I ha- and I, I have to say that if if you asked me this question in 1993, and I had seen both places, I think I'd probably say Wrigley, but because Fenway used to be a dump, but right. Fenway now. You know the, the the ownership group at, uh, in Chicago and the and the baseball operations group are doing to Wrigley what they did to Fenway, which is right. they're basically expanding the stadium outward. They're trying to you know they're buying up the real estate around it. They're trying to block off the streets after the game. They're creating they're trying to create a sort of like broad experience where you can go and sort of spend the whole day there. And there's certain aspects of it that are that are brand new this year. There's a little park out back where uh, like a sort of green area with a bunch of there's like a Starbucks and stuff like that where you can go out back out and then back into the stadium during the game. So it was perfect because my daughter, who again doesn't care as much about baseball as my son does, she was totally game and eating Cracker Jacks and happy. And then she got restless. And so it was like, oh, we'll go go to Starbucks and we'll get a, <laughs> you know, a donut or something. And then they came back in. And, and it's, it's, it's moving along. You can see like... There's so much under construction around Wrigley. It reminds me exactly of what Fenway was like in about 2003 or four, where the experience of Wrigley Field is now, you know, stretching for a couple blocks in every direction. But they're not at they're not where Fenway is now. And the the Fenway experience now, I think, is better than the. Wrigley experience, but you know, in another three years, who knows? It's a they're both wonderful. The fact that you can take the subway to them is great. Um, there's a, there's a, a, it, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, dot in, in the world we live in now, Dodger stadium is the third oldest MLB stadium. It's insane. It's, it's insane. truly insane. And, and, and the fact, and what it really made me feel like is especially like seeing the way that magnetic scoreboard system works and <laughs> how, how dedicated the ownership group is and the, and the people who work there are to keeping it, keep maintaining these kind of old traditions. I just hope that Fenway and Wrigley are there forever. Like that's that at this point, those are our only two links to what you would consider to be the past of baseball. When Dodger Stadium, which was wasn't built until the late fifties, when that's the third oldest stadium, that's crazy. Like baseball is a really old game, and if we lose Fenway and Wrigley, we lose something kind of real uh, about the, the history of the game. It's true. You know, when I went to, to England and, and was doing some Premier League stuff, they would take me everywhere I would go, they would say, yeah, this stadium is 125 years old. Like, all stadiums there. I mean, obviously now they're building all sorts of new palaces for, for the for the higher-end teams, but, but every city has this ancient stadium that they would never even consider, like, building over because it is it is – so much more important to have that connection to the past and that connection to to those you know those teams of the 20s and 30s and 10s and we don't you know we we feel that way about Wrigley and Fenway maybe a little bit Dodger Stadium now but we don't feel that way about about baseball in general we feel you know the teams 
you know, everybody's saying team, you know, stadiums that are 15 years older already need to be torn down. So uh, it's different. And, and I think you're right. I think that's part of what's special. I think going to a game at Fenway or Wrigley is every bit as great. Once you're in the ballpark and sitting in your seat and watching the game, it's it's as great or greater than it is at AT&T Park or Pittsburgh or or any of the like new stadiums that are awesome. Um, it's just the outside stuff. It's like you know, it's it's walking up twelve ramps and and dealing <laughs> with really really thin concourses and that kind of thing. All right, the second question is, uh, and this deals with your incredibly uh, spoiled son, um, nine years old gets to go to Wrigley Field, gets to go on the field. Gets yeah. to do the scoreboard, gets to go up and hang out with Len Casper and Jim Deshays and all those guys up there. Is he going to become a Cubs fan? Is there a chance that the Cubs sneak in and, and steal that Dodger thing from him? I don't believe so. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. If I was nine and that happened, that's it. I'm a Cubs fan for life. Well, yes, but here's the thing. <laughs> Talking about my spoiled jerk son is before he ever went up into the booth at the Cubs game... He's been to he did a Dodger Stadium. Yeah, he did a Dodger Stadium. Well, he actually hasn't done that. He has not done that at Dodger Stadium. He is, but what he I'll tell you what he has done, which is the Dodgers have this camp that they run every summer and then again in the in December, uh, and it's a, it's for their the for their foundation. The money all money goes to the foundation, but uh, it's just called Dodger Camp. And the kid and the you know the five hundred kids and they get to play games on the field at Dodger Stadium. So they, they divide the outfield in like four quadrants and they put bases down and the kids play real games. They're divided up by age group. And then they get they go into the dugouts, they pitch in the bullpen, they go down to the batting cages under the stadium. They sit they sit in the dugouts and they get like, you know, they they learn signs and stuff from real like you know former Dodger coaches and Chase Utley comes and like talks to them, answers questions for an hour and they get autographs of, you know, he's got a Justin Turner autograph and a Nomar Garcia Parra oh, autograph. Nice. Yeah, so like, yes, uh, for an ordinary child, of course he would become a Cubs fan. In fact, Bob <laughs> Vorwald, who showed us around, told me that basically he came to the stadium when he was like seven or eight years old, saw Wrigley Field, and told his dad in the car on the way home, when I grew up, I'm going to work for the Cubs. Like, he just, <laughs> of course, awesome. every that's the way, it, that's, when I'm a Red Sox fan because I went to Fenway when I was six or whatever and walked into that stadium. It was like you imprint like a baby duckling on the stadium that you see, and like that's the end of it. But... My spoiled jerk nine-year-old son has had incredible experiences now in so many baseball stadiums that, like, it's like ah, it's old hat. Now I should I should note by the way he's like he is he is not actually uh, jaded. He's he his mind is blown by all of this stuff. He's so, so awesome. happy all the time. Yeah, so like awesome. he doesn't he doesn't he is not like whatever. I don't care. I'm operating the scoreboard. Like his. In the video, he he's smiling a, a mile wide. He can't believe it's he's getting to do it, and he's still talking about it. And when we got home to Los Angeles, he fell asleep reading his Cubs yearbook and holding in his hand a oh. real Major League Baseball that Bob gave him from the stadium. <laughs> so yeah, I mean he he is he is appreciative of of you know of how incredible it is. But this all leads me to whatever our new segment is called. What's it called? Sure, family trivia. Sure, whatever. Sure, family trivia. Sure. So. Now the question is, given everything that happened in the game, uh, the starting pitching matchup, just so you know, give you some facts here. It was uh, John Lackey and Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson, sadly, it was supposed to be Scherzer, 
but Scherzer strained his neck or hitting a home run or whatever <laughs> weird thing happened. <laughs> so Edwin Jackson was a spot starter. Um, but, you know, we saw, by the way, we saw Bryce Harper hit a 4,000 foot home run. Oh, that was really gosh. cool. Uh, so, you know, and there, so Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, uh, you know, they, uh, uh, who else? Anthony, uh, or, uh, Alex Avila hit a home run. Um, we saw Wade Davis close the game. That was fun. Uh, given all of that, what jersey, when we went to the gift shop to commemorate the trip with a jersey, what jersey does my son pick? Uh, your son chose an Anthony Rendon jersey. No, it was a Cubs. I'll give you one more guess. It was a Cubs. Oh, jersey. it was a Cubs. Oh, it was not a Nationals yeah. guy. Okay. By the way, side, side side note though, can you believe what a good year Anthony Rendon is oh having? Oh my gosh! I mean, it's. I really will say that is every so often I'll just pop, uh, you know, pop on and he's leading the National League in WAR. Like what? What? Like I can't. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's, like he's I knew he was having a good player. year. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. knew it was like he was having a great year, but. What actually like staring at his statistics is mind blowing. I mean, he's oh, a yeah. legitimate MVP candidate. Oh, I yeah. I mean, I think right now he's he's got to be one of the three you consider for MVP. I mean, it's it's that good a year. All right. So wait a minute. Let's, so what Cubs jersey did he choose? All right. Again, playing the game as we should, based on what you would expect him to do. Uh, I'm gonna say he took a Chris Bryant jersey. Great guess. It's what I would have guessed. Sure. Uh, just because Bryant won the MVP last year. Uh, no, he went Javier Baez. You know what? I, again, your son, one more time, showing great taste. Great Javi taste. Baez. i got to say. Who's I, more it, fun than Javier Baez? Who's it more made, fun? It made me super happy. And the first thing I did was call, because it, it was a perfect excuse to call up and then watch 3,000 times the moment from the World <laughs> Baseball Classic when Yadier Molina throws out, uh, is it Nelson Cruz? I think it's Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, I think. And Javier Baez oh, was it, was celebrating. It was it Cruz or Machado? I don't even remember. I, I think it was Cruz. I don't yeah. remember. But Javier Baez points to, to Molina and celebrates the the throw before <laughs> long before he has caught it and dropped the tag down. It's one of my favorite things that has ever happened in the history of baseball. And that, that Puerto Rico Dominican game was so fun. I every baseball game should be that fun. And uh, I I showed the, I showed William that video, which he had seen before, but I showed it to him and I was so proud that he made that choice. Oh, it's By such a, a, good a choice. great choice for a jersey. It's such a good choice. I forgot Machado was the one that hit the the uh, would be home run that Adam Jones stole. That's right. That's yeah, right. So. Yeah. What a great World Baseball Classic this was, by the way. I mean, there's so, like, like I can't remember yeah. anything from almost any other World Baseball, but I have like several memories from from this one. So yeah, this All was right. a, it, it, like finally it find this last one it like finally hit the sweet spot that I think they were they've been trying to hit, which is like the team. It's like the World Cup where the teams have nat- the teams have identities and the yes. competition is like really high and high level. And yeah, it was great. It was great. All right, we are going to do. Um, I I I. Went to Twitter. Do you know about this thing, Twitter? Have you heard of this thing? I've heard of it. I've this, never used it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, never never used it before. Uh, and I asked people uh, to give us questions uh, for, for the podcast. So I'm going to go through because some of these are, are, I think, very, very interesting questions uh, that I think we should answer. And then somewhere in the middle of there, we need to have our Yankee Minute because uh, there is a, a Yankee question I want to ask you uh, pretty directly. But let's go to some questions. Uh, let's start with Sean's question, which I think is brilliant. Would you, and I guess this is to both of us, 
Would you rather face one Aaron Judge-sized Jose Altuve or 10 Jose Altuve-sized Aaron Judges? <laughs> in, in what? In what kind of situation? In a... In a wrestling match or in a baseball? What, what is he talking about? I, I don't know. Obviously, he doesn't explain. I'm going to assume he means in a baseball game, I guess. Uh, I, I think assume. he means – I'm going to assume he means like in a dark alley. <laughs> <laughs> I would say just based on whatever meaning it is, you definitely would rather face the 10 Jose Altuve-sized Aaron Judges, right? No I mean, way. That's... No, no, absolutely not. No, oh, you'd wow. Rather... No, 10 <laughs> – Ten. Look, Jose Altuve is almost as good a hitter as Aaron Judge at his size. That's my point. That's my point. One of him at Aaron Judge's size, way better than ten. If you shrunk Aaron Judge down, he would just be a little Aaron Judge. That would not be as good. No, I'm saying that like the the size doesn't matter. If if you're talking about baseball, the size doesn't matter. It, 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 I don't think Jose Altuve gets that much. He can't get that much better if he's Aaron Judge's size. And Aaron Judge doesn't get that much worse if he's Jose Altuve's size, I don't think. I think he does. I think, he, I think it would affect him more. I think he'd be, he'd, be, he'd be a little shrimpy Aaron Judge. That would not be as impressive. <laughs> but Jose Altuve is, is Jose Altuve's size, and he's jacked, and he hits 450-foot home runs. That's true. Like, I'm just I'm saying you'd always rather face one amazing player than 10 amazing players. I don't think Aaron Judge suddenly gets terrible if he's Jose Altuve's size. That's, I don't know. I think that's a fallacy. I don't know. A li- okay, but let me ask you this. Who's better? Who who is likely to uh, as I go into the insanity of this question, who is who is more likely to lose some of their 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 greatness? Altuve stretching him out to 67 280? Or or um, or Aaron Judge shrinking him down to five three or five well, four or whatever. I guess Aaron judges, but there's ten of him. Like <laughs> it's a there are, team. There are it's a whole team and a and a DH. I mean, I I feel like if, if you're talking about baseball, I think obviously you'd rather face one Jose Altuve. And if you're facing, if this is a dark alley situation. I think you still want one guy. I mean, you don't have a chance against ten of anybody no, in a that's dark true. alley. That's so true. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna always pick the one guy. I mean, Jose Altuve's stretch to Aaron Judge's size is a terrifying thought. <laughs> and it's also, by the way, less fun. Because the great thing about Jose Altuve is that he's Jose Altuve's size. And by the way, you know, Aaron Judge's first half, phenomenal first half. His second half, he's obviously cooled down a little bit as ever as you sort of figured he would. You have to, yes. But Jose Altuve is heated up. Like he's <laughs> Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve is insane. insane. It's insane. Oh, I yeah. don't understand. I the, the, this Jose Altuve should be just after the end of the baseball season. He should be put on a lazy Susan in the Smithsonian, and he should just slowly <laughs> rotate. And all of America should go and be able to just stare at him and appreciate him because he's a, he's the best. I do like the Joe Sheehan line that he will use occasionally. Um, why can't you make the whole plane out of Jose Altuve? I just think he's <laughs> he is he's so he's he's not just good. Uh, he's not just a great baseball player. He's like the he's like the essence of what like life is. He's just yes. everything. He's just oh, yes. he's so good. All right, if good you want, question. If you want like uh, if you want if an alien comes to Earth and says, explain to me the concept of pure joy. <laughs> 
<laughs> you just show them. You show them you a video. Show them Jose Altuve. Altuve. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. All right. Um, good question, Sean. Uh, Flannel wants to know how does Michael feel about potatoes? Uh, generally speaking, uh, pretty bored by them. Okay, um, bored, bored in general yeah. by potatoes. Never, never been like a big baked potato guy. I don't okay. like any any item that you have to, that is only good if you soak it in oil, <laughs> butter, salt, cheese, sour cream, like bacon. Like if you if you have to add seventy things to it to make it taste good, then it's not a good thing. I do love French fries, like all humans. Right, uh, alive, but but they're terrible. They'll literally murder you. The French fries are trying to murder you. <laughs> like that. If uh, uh, if if you don't understand this, you should. It, French fries are death sticks. They're like, death if you, sticks. If, yeah. If, if you, they're the most delicious things in the world, but they are actively trying to assault you. Uh, so I try not to eat them, and I fail frequently. But I, in general, I, I'm like. Some people are sort of fetishistic about mashed potatoes or about yeah about yeah. like crinkled potatoes, what they want on them, and all that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, I, I've I, it's not my thing, man. You know, you do you, potato guys and gals, <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I not a huge. I'm not a big potato guy. All right, all right. I I I actually for a bizarre. I actually agree with you, although really. Yeah, I do. I'm not a. I'm not a. I, I of course love fries and 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 I find them to be one of my terrible weaknesses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, generally, like if, if somebody like you know they they you you prepare them, you broil them, you cut them up, you you mash them, you put, eh, none of it does anything for me. They're fine. Yeah, they're fine. All right. If uh, Cal wants to know if they both retire this year, would Ishiro and Beltre be your and every right-thinking person's favorite Hall of Fame class ever? I, I don't even need to ask you that. Yes, that's obvious. Wait, sorry, it's Ichiro and who? Beltre, Adrian Beltre. Oh. Yeah. I mean, would anybody else be going in with them? Does anybody else need to go in with them? I think that's well, it. Well, I don't know. I mean, the last class was pretty great. Pedro's class. Yeah, Pedro's class. We've got to talk about Pedro's class yeah, in this argument. I mean, Ichiro and Beltre is amazing, amazing. obviously. Amazing. And that will be – I'll be so happy on that day. <laughs> but Pedro's – so what was Pedro's class? Was Pedro Randy Johnson, right? But did Pedro go in with Randy Johnson? Is that actually the same class? Isn't it? That's, Maybe I'm crazy. No, no, uh, that could be. It could be. I mean, look, all those guys went around the same time. Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, Pedro, yeah. and they all went around the same time. So I'm trying to remember, and I'm going to look it up right now, if he actually went in with um, Randy Johnson, because that would be pretty awesome. I guess that yeah. – no matter who Pedro goes in with, though, that's a great class. Pedro Pedro alone is puts your class into the upper echelon of classes, right. I would say. Randy Johnson, Pedro, yep, and then John Smoltz and Craig Biggio, which I got to say neither of those add that much. I mean, they're both great players, and I don't – Great players, but they're not like – it's not in the same uh, categories. Not. So I think yeah. you're asking if Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez equals Ishiro and Adrian Beltre. You know, I guess it depends if you like pitching or, or hitting more, but uh, it's pretty close. I mean, it's pretty close. Ichiro, I would say, oh, just so awesome. And Ichiro, Ichiro, and and Beltre is uh, is wonderful. Like that is joy. truly wonderful. Your yeah. joy. That is a. I, I liked the. I was at the George Brett, Nolan Ryan, Robin Yount class, which I thought was great. Um, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, there have been some really good classes, but boy, yeah, Beltre. By the way. Neither one is going to retire, so the 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 question is moot because I, I don't think 
uh, either one is going to retire. I think Beltray, why would Beltray retire? He's playing great. I mean, like, you know. And Ishiro, I think, might play until he's 80. I don't think Ishiro <laughs> wants to stop ever playing baseball. And I think he'll keep getting a job. I, I think. I mean, I you know, I don't I don't know. But, uh, but at some point, we're going to look up and Ichiro will be 53 years old and he'll have 7,000 hits. And we'll realize that he hasn't hit the ball out of the infield since 2009. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is still beating out infield hits. And he's like oh, yeah. 44 now or whatever. He's ancient. You know, it's awesome. Awesome. All right. John wants to know, do you think the NBA should widen the court a few inches? I think that's a question we should be asked, by the way. Yeah. I don't I don't think anybody really can understand this uh, as well as we can. We're uh, the people that I think everyone is turning to. <laughs> about the issue. geometry of basketball, right? I mean, that's, that's right. sort of our expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't have any reason to widen the court. Why, why are we widening the court? In order to make it go a little, so we get a little more, some more open lanes, a little more fast break basketball maybe? Is that the idea? I have heard the argument that widening the court significantly would lead to a more interesting game because the players are so enormous that the the sort of the there's a sort of sameness to the to the way that players move around the court oh, maybe. And, and stuff like that and and now that there's no like it used to be obviously that the geometry of the offense was set up to to like favor low post play which meant that the players moved in a certain way and blah 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 but now it's all they're just bombing from three and so there's a there's some are there I know there are some people I don't, I'm not saying I subscribe to this but I know that there are some people who think that widening the court not a couple inches but significantly would lead to a kind of a different a feeling or a better feeling I don't know I don't even know what the argument is but I have heard people make that argument I don't feel like there's anything wrong with basketball like I and I get the idea like when you see a basketball game live you do realize like it, it doesn't seem like this ought to be the case but there's no room on the court no. there's like they're, they're so gigantic and their wingspans are so enormous that there's literally no there's no place to go but i think that that's good i think it's like it's it's you you it's like a little pressure cooker and when you get a guy like chris paul or james harden or someone like that who figures out a way to to slither through the defense and like put up a crazy like switch hands midair and spin the ball off the backboard oh, Kyrie, yeah yeah exactly like they're doing that because they have to because they're forced to and obstacles generally speaking are good for creativity and I think that that's what you see in basketball. And if you significantly widen the court, even a couple inches, I think you would start to see less. People would just be taking even more threes than they are now. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. And I think the other the other side of, of having uh, having it the way it is now is, you know, they, they run such extraordinary, you know, plays and pick plays and whatever. I mean, you get guys open in this in this atmosphere you know, if you add a few inches to the court, is it easier to get open for these shots? I don't, I don't think we need that. I think, I think this is, I think it's, I think the balance is pretty good now. So, uh, so there you go. We've, we've solved that. Um, by the way, before we go, before we go on to our next question, um, I should point out, we have, you know, how long did it take us to get microphones for, for this? Uh, for we did 11,000 podcasts before we, we did 11,000 
podcast. Yeah, it was our eleventh, eleven thousandth, and first podcast. We got. We decided to get microphones to talk into. We we decided to get microphones, uh, and now we've done several thousand podcasts since then. Um, and we have a producer. We have like an actual producer. We actually had somebody help us with production before, um, and she was great. But we have an actual full fledged producer who like sends us notes during the podcast, which is mind blowing. Um, and he just sent us one uh, for for me to do a, a read. So should I do this? I mean, are, are we going to listen to our producer TJ? It's it seems uh, it would seem sort of rude to finally get a professional <laughs> producer involved in this enterprise. Have that producer send us a request to do something and then ignore it. I agree. Right? I agree. I, feel like I think it's, it just, it's it not the like, way you do things. It's not yeah, the way you do things. It's just rude. I would say it's rude. <laughs> so let's not be rude. Go ahead and do the read. All right, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it just as straight as I, as I can. We want to take a moment to tell you about the Cut Forecast. The Cut Forecast is the podcast from the staff of MLB.com's Cut 4 section. I know those guys. They're the Cespedes BBQ guys, uh, Cut 4. Are, you love those guys? They're the best. Assessment. Love them. They're the, they're the best, yeah. Uh, it focuses on the lighter side of baseball. We really think you'll enjoy it. It'll make you laugh. And you might even learn something about baseball dogs or ballpark food. Last week's episode shed some light on the person behind MLB's many official social media accounts and left no stone unturned in Astro's mascot Orbit's bitter feud with race starter Chris Archer. If that sounds like something you're into, search Cut Forecast Cut, C-U-T, the number four cast in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcast and click subscribe. All right, a few more questions. Gareth wants to know how much better would the NFL, NBA, and MLB drafts be if they were replaced by a sorting hat? These Ooh. are the questions that our people think we have answers to. That's a good question, though. It is a good question. Like, like in other words, okay, uh, uh, Andrew Benintendi, yes. right? Yes. Andrew Benintendi goes to Arkansas. And he's a top prospect. He wins the Golden Boot Award or whatever it's called, the Golden Spikes Award. He's the best uh, player in the country. Golden and, Boot Award? It's what they give in the World Cup for the guy who scores most goals. It's not outrageous that I said Golden Boot instead of Golden Spikes. All right. But so instead of being like, okay, well, you're going to be go one, two, or three or whatever in the draft. Instead, he goes and he sits down and he gets interviewed by a, a, a bunch of people. And then they, it's basically like there's a kind of like – oracle of some kind who right, says based right. on your based on like where you're from and your your personality and this your kind of you character and you're in yeah you you are a philadelphia philly yes like if you if you had that somehow like in other words but the sorting hat in harry potter um is is it's based on your your personality your character right, your right. soul so i think you would have to say that the, the baseball sorting hat for example, would have to take into account things like, and and the, obviously the houses uh, in Harry Potter have different have different like sort of uh, uh, characteristics. They have different sort of things that they stand for. You know, honesty, integrity, whatever. You know, uh, success, sure. whatever. So you'd have to say like the Sorting Hat in baseball would say like, here's what Philadelphia is. Here's what Tampa Bay is. Which I think would right? be very true. I think that is true. Yeah. I think I think different teams do have different. They're like houses in Harry Potter. Uh, I love it. I think, actually, the more I think about it, the more, especially for the NFL, I think you bring all of the players to to New York or Chicago or wherever the thing is going to be. 
you bring them up one by one. You put a sorting hat on them. Yeah. Um, and then the sorting hat does like a little song about right. them and then tells them, you are a Detroit Lion. I think that right. would be awesome. <laughs> that sounds great. Like if you're a five foot nine uh, white wide receiver, <laughs> you're pretty sure you know <laughs> You know what team you're going to. That would be that'd be so great. You just, that guy for yeah, that guy who played for Clemson, or, right? That whatever that wideout was. That guy knows. Yeah, a big surprise. When it, it's like the way that the all the Weasleys end up in, in Gryffindor, right? It's like all of the five nine white wide receivers. They all end up uh, all the and all the Rutgers defensive backs. <laughs> That end up in in New England. I think it would be great. You have like a guy going up there. He's kind of mopey looking, and he puts it on, and he's like, you're, and he's just like saying, "No, not Cleveland, not Cleveland, not Cleveland." Right? He's just doing. <laughs> he's just, yeah. You know, and the Sorting Cat's like, "But you would do very well in Cleveland." You know, I mean, just yeah. I think this is the greatest idea. Brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant idea. Yeah, um, we're all for it. We're all for it. All right. Is Mike Trout? Sam wants to know: Is Mike Trout already a Hall of Fame lock? Uh, I put a little something on, on um, Twitter yesterday, uh, sort of based on your thing, because you had put your you yeah. put a little Mike Trout thing up, and I, I did based on your thing. I said if Mike Trout retired tomorrow, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. And then here's and, and I don't look. No, I, I'm an idiot. I, I, I think everybody knows that. That's fine. I'm not a smart person. I get it. I got a bunch of people emailing me about how oh he wouldn't be eligible because he hasn't played ten years. I, look, I don't know a lot about a lot, but I, I pretty much know everything about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like, I know that. Like, I'm like, that's, I just felt like that was one thing that, like, people didn't have to inform me about the, like, Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame. Like, I write 10 billion words a year about, I know the rules of the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't care. I still say he retired tomorrow. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. They make us an exception to the rule. He's been that's right. that good for that long, right? That's that's it. He's a Hall of Famer today, in my view. Yes, they would change the. They would either change the rule, or they would make an exception. If some, God forbid, some horrible thing happened, he blew out his knee or whatever. I know, uh, I don't. It's, it, I feel bad even like saying right. this out yeah, loud it's, because it's right. would, exactly. it would be a, it would be a national tragedy if if we lost Mike the rest of Mike Trout's career. But yes, of course, if if something terrible happened. Then they would change the rule because he he is a Hall of Famer. The thing that I put on Twitter was I just went to the baseball reference his baseball reference page and and uh, clipped the you know they do a thing of uh, a section called Hall of Fame statistics. So they have a bunch of different ways to sort of judge how likely a player is to be a Hall of Famer. There's a thing called black ink. I think called gray ink. There's a Hall sure. of Fame monitor. There's a, the Jaws system. And, and yeah, Bill and, James. Uh, most of those, the, so the draws is right. obviously Jay Jaffe, but but the others are Bill James. Right. And and basically, right now, right now at this moment, right he's essentially a Hall of Famer in all. And the Hall of Fame monitor, a likely Hall of Famer is is a, a score of a hundred. He has a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> the gray ink or the black ink, rather, the average Hall of Famer is a twenty-seven. He's a twenty-five. Like he's basically he's basically already a Hall of Famer. But you know the Mike Trout's uh, Baseball Reference page is the closest baseball gets to the concept of pornography. Like if you, if you go, cause it, cause it, it has a, you know, a baseball reference is a wonderful site. It's the best site on the internet and it, yes. it breaks, they have a million different statistics and it tells you how the player finished in the league 
you know, if you finish in the top 10 in any category. And the, the number of things that Mike Trout has been not just top 10 in, but first in every year of his existence is shocking. Do you know that he has been first in the league in runs scored four out of the five years he has played it's in Major insane. League Baseball? It's insane. And that's – his team isn't that good. <laughs> and he's still first in – he scores the all the runs. He's been first in slugging percentage. Uh, he was first in slugging percentage in 2015. He's uh, he's he's the active leader in slugging percentage. He has been first in offensive war every year he has played in the league. Every, every year. single year he has been in the league. He's been first in in war. He's been first in position player war. He's been he's won the he has won the MVP or finished second in the MVP voting every year he has been in the league. It is it's it's shocking. It's deeply shocking to see what this guy has done uh, since 2012, basically. And uh, I, there's no way if his career ended tomorrow that they would not figure out a way to enshrine him in, in Cooperstown. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, I actually thought you were going to point out, and I think this is true. If you look at his, if you go to Baseball Reference, uh, which I would recommend, hey, people follow along. Just just do this. Go right to Baseball Reference, usually on a, like on a computer, and you go to your standard batting, it bulls out the years that he led the league. Not right. Not even top ten. It bulls it out, and you look at it, and it it almost looks like some World War II code. Like there's some because <laughs> because there's so many numbers bolded out in the middle of all of this that you almost like could spell something like secretive in 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 his in his you know which is basically this is his baseball DNA right here. It's so awesome. He's so great. You know, I people that are. That are you know saying hey you know you look at Albert Pujols at the same age, Albert Pujols is a great player. Albert Pujols is going to the Hall of Fame. It's still not the same because the position this guy plays, because of the the base stealing, you know the 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 the, the what this threat he is on the bases. The guy led the league in stolen bases one year. I mean, incredible. Just he's the best player of our time. He's the best player yeah. of our time. Obviously, you got the Barry Bonds craziness and it's hard to to you know i mean you and i have our own feelings about barry bonds other people have their own feelings bonds aside he's the best player of my lifetime i think uh i yeah i can't i there's no other argument i, I, mean, I don't think the, the saddest thing the really the saddest thing about him getting injured this year is he was off to his best start ever yes and 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 the, it, you know, hopefully, you know, he just turned 26. That means his his 26 year, 27 and 28 year seasons are still ahead of him, which is insane to think about. <laughs> and and I, there's no reason to think that they'll be any worse than they've been so far. And uh, but it really, when you look at, I mean, his slugging percentage of the year is 716. It it's absurd it's what insane. he's what he's done. And I, the fact that we lost, that we're gonna have lost this year, Kershaw for six weeks or more. In, in what was one of his best years, and Trout for a long time, six weeks or more, in what in one of his best seasons. That's a real shame. That's like the that's a that's twelve weeks of the two best players of their positions uh, of their eras, and it's a it's a bummer. It but, is it is it is a bit of a bummer. Although you know what, at the end of the year, he's going to end up with numbers. You're going to go, oh, he missed games. I mean, he's like the guys. You know, the guy still has. He's hitting three forty six with twenty three homers. You know, in sixty eight games. I mean, it's. He's he's incredible, just incredible. Well, he has, he's right. at he's at four he's at almost five WAR right now, 
and uh, he <laughs> that's that's still top ten. He hasn't <laughs> played. He didn't play for like six or seven. He's got the same war basically as Joey Votto and Carlos Correa, and he ha- he missed a month and a half. It's insane. It's a counting stat. It's the more you play, the more war you get. And he still is in the top 10 in the league, even though he he's only played in 68 out of whatever it is, 95 or 100 games. It's, it's nuts. He's just nuts. Struck out looking his first time. This was ripped down the left field line for an extra base hit. Trout at career hit number 1,000 and does it in grand fashion with a 17th double of the season. Two more questions. Um... Both from Jeff. Jeff sent us two questions. I like both of them. One, these Dodgers, how many wins will they end up at? Well, you, you want to set a, I'm going to go. Set, a, set, a, set a, uh, an over-under, and I'll take the over or the under. Well, uh, okay. So what would – I'm trying to think of what a good over-under would be because if I said 110, I think you're going over. I think. Am I right? I mean, if I said 110, are you going to go over? I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to oh, do. Well, I'm not the, reason I, the reason I'm saying that is I want to I want to set it as high as possible where you have to think about it. So will is 110 like do you have to think about it at 110 or you, just tell me that. Do you have, I have to, to think, think about, about it? it? Okay, you do. All right, let's say 110 then. I think I'm I think I'll take the under. Oh. Simply simply because of statistics and math, a yes, and b because they're running away with their division. They've right. got it, whatever it, it is, won't a fifteen game game lead. It won't matter. They're gonna they're gonna wrap up the division in early September probably, and then and you know this team's bugaboo. Uh, when in, in recent years they've won four straight NL West titles, but their bugaboo in the playoffs has been their bullpen and they're pitching in general, and I feel like they're going to just rest a bunch of guys. They'll bring up a bunch of guys from AAA. They'll throw those guys with some innings. They're going to take the foot off the gas because they can. Now, they're such good hitters that it's possible that they just are the are the Mariners from 2001 or whenever that was, and they just are going to cruise to victory no matter what they do. Or the 98 Yankees where, like, again, they they wrap up their division early, but they just keep winning just because they're so good. But right. I, I believe that based on their recent playoff failures, uh, you know, early comparatively speaking, early round playoff failures, even, you know, even when they advance, they've, they've, uh, they've lost to teams they should have beaten maybe. My guess is that they're just going to really take their foot off the gas and really rest a bunch of guys. You'll see a bunch of September call-ups starting in games in mid-September, and they'll they'll you know they whatever they are they're forty-seven games over five hundred right now. I mean it's it's not like they don't they don't need to win. So you know I I feel like the Warriors part of the reason the Warriors set the record honestly is because. The Spurs were pressing them for the one seed until like the last two weeks of the season. The Spurs won 67 games that year or whatever. So they don't have anybody like that, even within their own. You know, the other two wildcard teams are coming, probably going to come from their own division. Yeah, sure they are. And even then, they've got a 15 game lead. So I I think I take the under just because I feel like they they just chill out and they coast to 107 or 108 wins and. And that's the end. It's of the it's it's a good bet. It's a good bet. I I think I take the over. Uh, and I'll and I'll tell you why. You actually just said it. I think they're that good. I don't think they'll try for the record. I think that the Warriors did at the end. I think they wanted it. I mean, yes, they were getting pressed and and all of that. But I think they wanted the record. I think they wanted history. Uh, I kind of get a little bit of that feel from this Dodgers team. It's just been so long since they've won 
a World Series, and and I just think that they want this pretty badly. But also, they're so young, and 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 you know, I mean, I guess you could argue that because they're young, they'll fade a little bit in September. Maybe they will. It just feels to me like they're not even. I mean, they're trying, but they're not. They're not playing with like immense intensity now, and they're still like winning games like eight nothing like every other night. It feels like so. I just think they're good enough that they're. I think they're going to, you know, I think they'll win 112, 113, somewhere in that range. And and I think they might go into last week with a chance at the record, and I think they might go for it. I mean, I don't, wow. yeah, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong. Uh, in fact, there's a pretty good chance I'm wrong. Um, but uh, I just have this feeling that they're going to go for it. All right, Jonathan's other question is, and I think this is, this is really the question of our time. Um, what are, I'm sorry, this is Jeff's question. What article of clothing is the biggest pain to buy? Jeans, sunglasses. Those are his two his two options. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I I think we can choose our own. I don't feel like we have to stick with his. What is the uh, article of clothing that is the biggest pain to buy? I'm going to stick with his as if jeans versus sunglasses is like an age-old argument that we as a nation have been debating for thousands of years. <laughs> It's like it's like chocolate or vanilla, you know, the old jeans versus sunglasses debate. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's people people who think that there's jeans are the harder, the most uh, biggest pain to buy. And there's people who think sunglasses are. That's what my granddaddy told me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'll someday tell my grandkids. You're either a jeans. We're jeans people, son. We believe this family. We believe the jeans are the are the biggest pants about to buy. There's there's intermarriage. We're like, ah, she's more of a sunglasses person, son. I'm not sure that's gonna work out for you. Yeah, there's like the speeches at those weddings are like when I first met Cheryl, and I found out she thought that sunglasses were the biggest pain to buy. I thought, well, there's no future here, but you know, she's she's won my respect. <laughs> she's, I, I've grown to love her despite that opinion. All right, so what is what is it? Jeans or sunglasses? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't personally find either of them that hard to buy. I'll the sunglasses are like easy. I mean, yeah, I thought, I why why are why is sunglasses being dragged know. into this? I don't you know. can go to Rite Aid and buy a pair of sunglasses for five dollars in three seconds. Like. And if you want nice ones, there's a million places to buy decent sunglasses for 40 bucks or whatever. And sunglasses, to me, are one of the easiest <laughs> things to buy. Like, sunglasses and chewing gum are roughly the same amount of difficult to buy. So I'll go with jeans over sunglasses. Yeah, I got to go with jeans. I got to go. And, and by the way, uh, I, I don't take any longer to buy jeans. Because I don't try on clothes unless I absolutely have to uh, in the store. So I know my jean size. I would just buy the jeans and same thing. And all sunglasses, they all fit, right? It's like a one yeah. size that fits all kind of thing. Like that that really, that is weird that sunglasses would be the one that would come out from him. Yes, this is a terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we devoted, devoted four minutes of this podcast to it. One last meaningless thing uh, to end this meaningless thing. TJ will put music in here, make it really nice. It'll be great. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know. Like how beaches are terrible places to go. 
new hot fruit for Michael or Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast woe. It's one last woe. Uh, do you want to go first? Why don't you go first? Uh, on our family vacation, uh, we uh, I asked this uh, a woman who I work with at The Good Place, the TV show I work for, to uh, uh, if she could take care of my cats while I was away. Okay. She very nicely did that. She came over and uh, took care of it, fed our cats. And uh, well, our cats are 13 years old. They're terrible cats. They're awful, <laughs> awful cats. Uh, one of them lives outside. We never see him. He just he comes in, eats 12 cans of food, and then leaves again. And he <laughs> refuses to be petted. He meows constantly. We can't. We've tried to take him to the vet to see if there's something wrong with him, but we can't. Literally, can't catch him. Like it's like if you approach him, if you get within like, I don't know, eight feet of him, he run. He darts away. <laughs> so we can't. We and but somehow, by the way, he lives outside. We never see him. He's like the healthiest animal. I mean, his coat is perfectly quaffed <laughs> and shiny. And he, he like, we have raccoons and possums and stuff in our neighborhood. And he he's constantly beating them up, I think, and like scary. He's an enormous cat. They're, they're huge, enormous cats. And then the other one lives inside, and she's nicer, but, uh, but she's also, in her own way, terrible. And But uh, the question I had when I got home was, you know, we were gone for a week and a, a person, a human being that they've never seen before came and like fed them and, and, you know, made sure they were okay and stuff. My question was, did they notice, did they even notice <laughs> we weren't here? Like, do they, do they notice, do they care? And, you know, I'm sure the one who lives outside didn't, they, because he doesn't, he doesn't know who we are. Like right. he's, he's, he hasn't spent more than eight seconds with us in in his entire 13 year existence. But I wondered, like the one who lives inside, I wondered, does she even know? Does she miss us? Does she know we were gone? And so I talked to the the uh, a woman who took care of them while we were gone, and I said everything goes smoothly. And she was like, "Oh yeah." And she said the 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 multicolored one, that's the one that lives inside. Like the multicolored one even like came and like uh, sat on my lap and like let me pet her and stuff. And then I was like, "Well, now I have my answer." She they. They may they may have noticed, but they sure didn't care. They didn't care. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> they could not have cared less. We are nothing to them. They we, they do not care about it. like who, who who the humans are who live in the house. They will let anybody. She will let anybody pet her, feed her. Doesn't matter if we packed up and left tomorrow and a new family moved in. They absolutely would not care. <laughs> So there's your answer. A, that's what you get for having cats in the first place. I'm sorry. Oh, believe me, man, I know. I mean, <laughs> it's one of the great like regrets of my wife's and mine is that we, when I first moved out here in 2004, we went to this adoption fair and we adopted these two cats. And I mean, we, uh, the amount of the the headache, the just <laughs> constant headache that these two cats have given us. When we moved, we moved uh, in 2007 during the World Series. Uh, the Red Sox Rockies World Series, we moved houses and we got everything. The house that we moved out of had this uh, uh, chimney and uh, the the one the cat who lives outside when he was inside, if anybody came over to the house, including, by the way, if we just like walked into the room he was in, he would run and jump up into the chimney. There was like a little sort of platform inside it and he would just hide in the chimney forever, like for hours. And so when we moved out of that house, uh, he went and hit up there because of all the commotion, and he didn't come down. And it, you couldn't get him down. Like, he was he was in a place where there was no way to get him down. And so the night that we moved into our new home, when we're supposed to be, like, you know, 
pouring a glass of wine and cheersing and like, here's the beginning of our new, you know, a new phase of our lives. I sat in on the floor in an empty house next to, or like eight to 10 feet away from a can of cat food <laughs> while the world series, my team was in the world series. It was like game three of the world series. I could not watch it. And I sat on the floor motionless for like an hour and a half waiting for my stupid cat to jump down off the ledge and start eating the food that, that I had put out for him just so I could then jump on him and grab him and take him back to our home. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah he's a terrible animal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have the cat-dog conversation uh, another time. Um, my one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing is, so you know how now... Um, and I mean, it's now we've been doing this for about two or three years now, I suppose, maybe even longer. Uh, you got the chip on the on the credit card, right? So you, you don't do the slide thing. I mean, some places you do, but most places now you don't slide the credit card anymore. You just you, you stick it in the slot. Right. And it reads the right. chip. And I guess this is more secure, I suppose. I, I don't understand why it is, but but I guess it's more secure or whatever. Um could they make that sound to let you know to take your credit card out of the thing? Could they make that a little less annoying? Is that possible for them to take that? That That is the most horrifying sound. And I've now heard it, you know, and it's the same everywhere. It's not like you go to one store or another store and they've got like a, oh, yeah, here we got a nice pleasant sound. No, it's always that like, meh, 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 meh. That, that I hate it. I hate that. It, it is added noise pollution to our lives that I don't need. I don't want this stupid thing to scare me every time I just want to buy something. Uh, I hate it. We got to do away with that. I, I don't disagree. I, I have <laughs> been to some places where uh, they don't make that sound. Really? Where there's no, yeah, where they've, they somehow turned it off. Okay, well, maybe, um, but I mean, can you not be just like, a, like a pleasant little bell or something or just some like, just, I mean, I get it. You don't want to leave your credit card there, forget it, whatever, but that's the sound they came up with? Really? It's, you're, it's basically the sound of the, um, like if, if someone walks out of a store, like a Rite Aid or something <laughs> with, with an item that they didn't pay for. Right. It's right. that same, or like a J. Crew, right? It's, it's that same sound. It's like, meh, 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 right? <laughs> It is. It is. It's yeah. like they're. It's like they're. It's and you know you get that sound sometimes by mistake, right? They'll forget to take off whatever they needed to take off of your clothes or whatever, uh, and so you get that sound, and then you're you feel like a thief now every time you pay with a credit card. You feel like a thief. I hate it. Yeah, I, I will. I will only say that I have been to places where the the sound does not happen. Well, that tells so me that it's possible. That there's a way to turn it off. There's yeah, a way to turn yeah, it off. Exactly. So, so I beseech all store owners who are listening to this podcast and might be moved by my 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 appeal, uh, turn it off. Just turn that thing off. Yeah, yeah. I think I and and they, when you in the stores where they've turned it off, they the people behind the counter say you can go ahead and take your card out now or right. something but they'll, they'll remind you and and then it works it's a good system it's it works a, perfectly it's well it's a very good system let's go with that let's just go with that all right and there you go and we've done another podcast i i assume tj is uh <laughs> just amazed at what he has gotten into uh with with doing this thing he's listening tj just texted to say that he's back and he's listening 
Isn't that cool? So just just to be clear, okay, so this we're now like an hour ten into this thing or whatever, which is obviously way too long. But way just to be clear, what happened what, it, before uh, before we started? TJ came on and said, like, okay, listen, guys, I have to do another show <laughs> after like twenty minutes into your show. I have to go produce another show, so I'm going to start the recording, push mute, and go do that other show, and then I'll get back when after you're done, just sign off, and then I'll I'll take care of everything. So what's <laughs> happened is we did the show for twenty minutes. He left, did a completely other show and now Better came show. back and we're, and we're still just talking we're talking about we're talking about terrible cats and and credit card uh, noises that we hate it's sad that's what's it's happened. very very it's sad really, it's, it's very a, sad but, but here's the great thing tj's gonna produce it and make it into something glorious don't you think don't you trust no. tj no <laughs> I, I trust TJ. I just tr don't trust us. No, we've already we've given him nothing. We've given him nothing to work with here. So, well, we'll do it uh, again soon, Michael. As always, thank you. Thanks for having me.